Hey gang, welcome to episode 36 of the No Persinium podcast, your podcast about immersive theater and its ilk. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from Los Angeles. Hey, uh, this week on the show, we've got my friend Haley Nichelle. Uh, we'll go over at the beginning who, of the actual interview part of who Haley is again. But just so you know, uh, I'm going to say it now and I'll say it again. Uh, I'm an enthusiast. Uh, and and a, a great passionate lover of this immersive form and my peak experiences like everybody's have included sleep no more and then she fell Haley has been in both of those shows I don't mean as a audience member I mean she has performed in both of those shows a whole lot and she's here on the west coast now uh, she's a great person. Uh, we became friends a few months ago. Uh, we, we go see shows together now. Uh, we ran around on LA's night on Broadway, uh, where we got to see like amazing locations and, and her, her boyfriend was playing in a jazz band, in a big band in, in one of the free shows. It was really cool. Um, it's, it's absolutely awesome. And Haley's awesome. And what you're gonna get is two friends kind of kind of blathering at each other a little bit and, and me learning more and maybe trying to keep from fanboying just a bit. Although uh, I, I never saw her perform in the shows. So that's that's the sort of the good news for the journalistic integrity. It's it's not gonna be a a, a Chris Farley situation. If you know what that is, you know exactly what that is. Um hey. Let's do some news and notes. Uh, you should go to the Medium Collection because Zay has been on fire lately. Uh, Zay, of course, is our man in New York City. The lucky bastard got to see uh, The Grand Paradise. He wrote up his impressions of it. He's going to go see it again. He should be delivering us a podcast with the creators pretty soon. I am super excited slash jealous of that. So jelly. I need peanut butter. That level of jealous. Second time I made that joke. Um, it's only funny to me. It's okay. You don't need to tell me you didn't laugh. Uh, but you should check it out because Zay's, Zay's thoughts on it are really cohesive. And uh, he has a line in that review that does in one sentence what I often spend entire podcasts trying to articulate. Because Zay's the better writer of the two of us and always has been since a long time ago. Um, it's okay. It's okay. I know that. I'm very comfortable with that. I aspire to be as good of a writer as Zay is. And he probably doesn't know. I don't know if he knows that. I think he just found that out. Sorry, Zay. I know that's embarrassing. Anyway, uh, but hey, get your smarter friends to help you out on your weird adventures. That's my best advice in life. What else do we have today? We've got the West Coast edition hitting inboxes later today. That uh, covers Portland, Seattle, peak up at Vancouver, I hope going to look at Las Vegas, close enough to the West Coast, in addition to San Francisco, Los Angeles, and San Diego, which we often sneak into Los Angeles or the Southland edition. Just the highlights, not the everything. Um, this one doesn't necessarily include the uh, the Escape Room and Adventures either. You want to check out the Escape Room and Adventures page over at the website. We keep on working on these things. Speaking of things we're working on, I uh, signed us up for Instagram. There's nothing in it yet. I'll tell you when there is, uh, but we'll start putting things on the on the gram on the gram. Um, hey, all these uh, all these newsletters are free. I hope you know that. I hope you know that this is all free. I mean, I, I'm going to beg you at the end of the podcast to give money to the Patreon, but this is free. 
everything is because I'm crazy. Um, what else we got going on here? Um, hey, I did check out a show last weekend, uh, but I saw it in such early preview form that uh, it wouldn't be fair to write about it because you see the first preview of a show and it's the first time they've made physical contact with an audience, I mean, literally. And uh, it's, just not, it's just not right. I intend to go back. I'm going to try and work that one out. And, uh, you know, write about it then. That's all I gotta say. If you're trying to stalk me, I'm gonna be checking out the opening night of the Break Bread Exposition at the Think Tank Gallery. There's gonna be a few immersive experiences plugged into that space over the course of the month, which I think is a really smart way to do things. And I'm just looking to be a kid in a candy store there, uh, or a kid in a seven and a half thousand foot cake maze, because that's what it is, which frankly, both thrills and terrifies me. Uh, so yeah, I'll be there Saturday night poking around, uh, at least for a little while. Uh, Annie Saunders is doing the workshop of her Antigone project, which is hopefully going to um, metamorphosize into a full immersive. You can find links to that in the last Los Angeles newsletter. That's going to be over at the Getty Villa. I am incredibly ecstatic about that. Um, I know that my friend Christian Kagogel, who is a magician from San Francisco, he's helping out with that piece as well. So I'm just, I'm just ready. I'm just ready for it. It's going to, I think it's taking the form of a traditional theater, like physical dance theater piece at this point in time. But I know that Annie is trying to evolve it. So um, it's fun to watch things evolve. It really is. Um, if you're a process nerd, and I am in fact a process nerd. Hey, that's enough me for now. Uh, you knew that anyway. I mean, look at who I talked to. Um, that's enough of me for now. Let's go hang out with Haley for a while. We are now we're recording. We're so, on now. Okay. So no, so no more of the, no more of the funny funnies we were just having off offline. Um, the cold open is is over. Uh, this is the official podcast. Haley Michelle, thank you for uh, letting me do this in your uh, kitchen. Not a problem. Welcome to my home. Fantastic. Uh, we were just hanging out the other day at Night on Broadway, uh, mm -hmm. and we might, there wasn't really anything immersive there, but we might talk about that just in terms of, like, L.A., like, the growing life in L.A., but before we, we do all that, uh, why don't, why don't you give everyone sort of a precis on your, your performing history? I'll have said some of this in the cold open, but I want to, I want to hear it from you. Okay. Like, um. Like your, your experience as a performer in immersive. So I am a dancer solely and have been dancing for many, many, many years, well over 20 years. And um, upon my graduation of university, I fell into, like legitimately fell into, had no idea what I was getting myself into. I went to this random audition because my friend was going and he said come with me so I went to this audition and we were doing all of these like improv based movement exercises and then in the callback it turned into a bunch of theater and emotional exercises and it turned out that it was the audition for sleep no more and so I go through this thing not knowing what I'm getting myself into you know oh, this is really fun. I just graduated from a conservatory and I'm not wearing ballet shoes, so that's kind of cool and not knowing what on earth was happening and um, 
totally fully enjoyed my time in the audition not and because I did not know what was happening or what it was there were no stakes because it was just it was it was a workshop it was a workshop with Maxine Doyle and Connor Doyle and how and, awesome is that and you you were you were along for the ride and yeah and I was I was along for the ride and um I guess about a week after that I got a call from the what the company manager at the time and they were like we need we need you to come do some shows and so as of October 2011 I was part of Sleep No More in various characters, various roles and for about two and a half years and I left Sleep No More in 2014, 2014 to join Then She Fell um, as Alice. And that's kind of my immersive performance background and slowly I'm starting to suss out the immersive world here in LA. And it was like it was like a, around October 2014 I think, right? That you, was it around there that you moved from one to the other or I have been in LA No, no, no in New York. In New York. New York. Yeah. 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 No, so October 2011 through February 2014 I was at sleep no more than from February to th- December 2014, I was, until June 2015, I was at Then She Fell. Because it's like, I, I wound up basically missing you, because you, not by like a couple of months, but like, for, for both of them, but I was in, I went to see them both in October of 2014, so like just, oh, not, okay. not a while after you left Sleep More, but like not, not too long before you went to Then She Fell, yeah. so it's sort of funny. Like within, within a couple of days of each other, um, is, is when I got to Psalm. So like I know I know the parts you played, but I never saw you play them, which is sort of the, the funny yeah, yeah. sort of funny thing. Um, it maybe makes it easier to talk to you because like it be might be a little. I thought I I only get starstruck around comic book writers. It's very weird. I don't know why. <laughs> like of all people, yeah, dumbfounded when I tried to talk to Warren Ellis one time. Uh, he's a very intimidating bearded man, uh, but um, but yeah, um, wow, God, how to how to make things awkward with a friend by no one else? It's like we hang out on the guard, but probably stars are going to see you do things. <laughs> do, 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 do. Why am I saying this? I don't know. Point being, <laughs> point point being, um, yeah. So like, how many times between like how many times did you perform Sleep No More? How many, do you remember? I never did an official count. But I remember I counted up to my first 250 shows, and after 250, I lost count. But that 250 happened very early on. I want to say I was probably present in that building. I think two and a half years. I was there for the 300th show celebration. I was there for the 1,000th show celebration. I've been there. I, I was there for a lot of shows. I want maybe, I, I don't know how many I performed, but I was definitely present for probably 700, I want to say, around that large number. Like, I'm still at, I mean, I haven't been there for ages, but if I hear 
three seconds of music from one of the soundtracks used at Sleep No More, I am like instantly like, <gasps> I should be on the third floor in this scene doing this duet with this other character. And like it totally like it, it, um, it's like part of part of my DNA now. <laughs> yeah, that show is part of And the same thing with Then She Fell, you know, you'll hear or smell even certain things and all of a sudden you get this crazy like like rewind back into I'm not in my costume. Oh no. Kind of uh <laughs> Yeah, it becomes part of your DNA. I want to say probably after the first 100 shows you do in any spot. Oh man. Yeah. yeah, and also just the idea of a hundred shows in, in any spot. I mean, it's uh, it's not completely foreign of a concept to me, but it's definitely not part of my lived experience. So, and I'm, and I'm both amazed, terrified, maybe even slightly jealous. I walked away from acting a long time ago, but there's something about that idea of like inhabiting inhabiting that space. It's, it, it does, and, and given that it, it moves around, I mean. Did it feel, because for, to us, for just audience members, this is us plebeians, right? Um, it, it feels like entering another world. Did, did it maintain that feeling for you as a performer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's in the way you prep for your show. I mean, essentially, we ha- I have the best job in the world. They're like, here's your costume, here's your paycheck, now play make-believe for a living. And you're like, great, this is the best ever. I'm a paid kid, basically. Um, just hit your cues and act really well. But um, <laughs> I... It, it, it is a new world. It is a new world. And you know Sleep No More and how the lighting and the soundtrack and just the way i mean i i I go straight just the way that building smells you know what i mean depending on what room or what floor you're in um it, it does feel like a new world and there are maxine and felix would always you know, when you would enter a new space, they loved to um, introduce us. And I was introduced into the show with, like, finding what felt safe in Mm. the building and what didn't feel safe in the building, just energetically within sleep, within the floors of sleep no more. And there are still areas of that building where I would get to the floor, I would run to a certain room, lock myself in the room, and wait until I would hear footsteps of audience members. Still, probably to this day, I, there are, there's one hallway in that building where I just, just gives me the heebie-jeebies, and I just think it's because it's the lighting, it's the sound, it's because it is in this certain set of... Do you want to see which one? I'm curious. I don't know if I'm allowed to. I'll get in trouble if I I say the exact hallway, but all of those Sleep No More view listeners, I know you know what hallway I'm talking about, but there are certain 
areas in that building where, I mean, Livy just did ridiculous design and Dobby just did ridiculous sound score and it yeah. literally transforms you. Even if you've done a million shows, a zillion loops, you still get into that spot and you're like, I know I'm alone, but I don't feel alone. Oh, yeah. <gasps> no, that's a real... I mean, I've only I've only done Sycamore once, like the exact... Aside from zero, I'm the exact opposite of, of, of your experience of it in every way, shape, or form. Um, but I know where you mean. Like, there, even when I was lost, it felt like you were being watched. Mm -hmm. You know, like that 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 sense that something's right around the corner, that someone's yeah. coming for you. More more so, I've done a few haunts now. I've done a few. I don't know if they really even call them haunts, but like, they're. There you sort of know, sooner or later someone's going to move you, someone's going to jump out at you. Like, that's the whole point, because there's a line they got to get mm -hmm. you through. Um, and, and similarly, in, in, in Then She Fell, they got to move you. You're on a yeah. track. Anywhere, anytime you're on a track, it's like, you got to keep that body moving. Yeah. It's creepier at S&M because... Almost like S&M, but... Uh, it's creepier there because they don't need to move you. Exactly. Unless, you know, you're in the way of someone who's about to exactly. kick you in the face. But, like, so that sense of being watched, that sense of something, that, 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 that tension around, is something going to happen or not? The answer could be, you could spend 20 minutes in that space and nothing could happen. It's yeah. entirely possible. Yeah. It may just all be in your head. But, God damn it! if the whole place isn't designed... It feels haunted. It feels haunted, and when you've got the mask on, you're the ghosts. That was the thing. Like when I was in there, I was like, there was a moment. I was I was following uh, Lady Macduff, and just the the ghosts were crowded around her, and it became this image of, oh, this woman is haunted. This woman is haunted by us. We're the yeah. ones doing the haunting here, uh, and that was that was that was one of the most potent images and one of the most potent ideas. You know that relationship of the audience to the performer—that like we're the we're the ghosts who are um, who are observing the living. You know, the, the, oh, the, I never the, thought the, of it like that ever yeah. really. Um, yeah, I mean, it's they have built the best experimental dance and theater playground possible. And so, you know, there were shows, and my partner for many of the shows while I was Lady Macduff was Paul Zivkovich's Macbeth, who is just outstanding, outstanding. And, um, and I loved dancing with him so much. There would be times where I would enter a scene and we would have a little interaction. And like, it's Paul! we would have fun after the show or we would, you know, talk about whatever before the show as friends. But in the show, you know, Lady Macduff would make eye contact with Macbeth and, like, my heart would start racing. And so, and I think that the, the, the set allows the acting to come and bubble up very, very easily. Yeah. No, I mean it's something. It's something as a performer, you note the change between, and and this is true for in traditional theater. You know, it's it's very much my experience that 
you might have all your blocking, you might have all your intentions, you might know what's going on. You hit The day you hit the real set, you start to find not just subtleties in the way you're moving with the space, but you start to find the emotional subtleties as well. Mm-hmm. Like that suspension of disbelief continues and continues. And then you see on film, like that whole trend in like the late 90s into the, into the aughts, particularly like in the Star Wars movies where they were just like, put it on the green screen, don't worry about... You know, you don't have actors. They can just imagine. Here's a tennis ball. Act against a tennis ball. And just the quality of the acting went down because it's like the more you're asking the performer to fill in the production details, the less room in their brain there is to fill in the emotional details. And yeah. it's like, don't don't ask Ewan McGregor to sell a monster. Ask Ewan McGregor to sell his emotions and his intent and his relationship to the people in the scene, or maybe his relationship to the monster. Give him something fucking scary to look at. Yeah. Give a creepy hallway for someone to be, you know, totally, shivery by. Totally, totally, and like the same is with. Then she felt. I mean, it's a very different reaction viscerally, in then she fell. I mean, it's a. Uh, it for me, it felt more. Um dream-like versus um, fight-or-flight a little bit. Yeah. And, but even in, even in Then She Fell, there were moments playing the role of Alice where you would walk into a room or a scene and you would be like, is this real life? And you would, you know, look at your scene partner or like acknowledge the audience and you're like, how, how did I get here? What? But that's usually the late night show where it's like 12 o'clock and you're like starting to like (laughs) foam out of your nose because you're so tired or something. But there are, I mean, both shows, I mean, they're two very different, different, different beasts. But like when you have good scene mates that can dance just as well as they can act and you have an incredible set and you have an incredible score and you have incredible lighting which both shows have it's kind of impossible to not get swept away what do people want to know right like i have i have the list of things that i want to know but i'm curious like what do other people ask you about being the show so like do you get, is there like a number one question for either of them a lot of people ask what's it like what is it like doing something like that and I mean I'm just like I don't know what's my job I don't know it's it is what it is and I think that it is a step that theater and dance are like really taking a step towards doing so when people ask me that I'm like you want to do it too come join us um I mean, it's tons of fun. That's, like, the ultimate. Like, it is the most fun you can ever have. It is also the best social experiment you can have as well. Like, I think Hmm. above everything, I have learned so much about people and reading body language, especially at Sleep No More, when the, the audience has a little bit more free reign. Right. And they are masked. So you don't even know what they look like. So you can't even judge them by their facial expression. And I mean, I think 
what what is it like i think it's you know the audience is studying the characters and a lot of the times the characters are studying the audience because that's what we that's what we feed off of and when you have an audience member at your tail like chasing you everywhere you're going that that feeds you as as a performer like you can't you can't ignore something like that you can't ignore something like that um I mean, even at a basic safety level if someone's right on your heels and you gotta you gotta stop short you know that there's someone totally could, like, run into you or if you're about to do a dance move then you know i have to move my arm higher so i don't decapitate them you know <laughs> or simple things like that um but what is it like? I mean, it's just... It's dance. It's theater. And you, you... You hit your cues. You hit your music. You act the shit out of it. You dance the shit out of it. And it's a lot of fun because you are dancing with the same people that you do eight shows a week with. And it's a family. And you dance together. And that's... It's just a lot of fun. I don't even know. That's a terrible answer. I wish I could give you something more no, I think, intelligent. No, I think <laughs> I, you know. I think it's good that people know it's fun. Oh yeah. You know, like that's that's the thing. I don't I don't get to talk to the performers a lot. I'm usually talking to like the creators, the directors, and I'm I'm really, but in more than oh, that's not necessarily true. I was gonna be hyperbolic there, but. For the sake of argument, just let me be hyperbolic for a second, people. Uh, more than almost any other form, uh, it really is driven by the the performers because the directors can set the scenario into motion. Mm-hmm. They can give you the space. The designers build the space and give you the, the idea of what you're doing. But there's no static point of view. Someone's not watching... Oh, tonight, it's not, like, not like there's a stage manager in a show, like in a Broadway musical, where it's like, Judy, you were off your mark tonight, you know, you need mm-hmm. to get back online. Mm-hmm. Ted, you were a little slow on this one. Nothing like that at all. It's Everything has to do with, okay, you're in the space. You're in the space the audience is doing, in Sleeping More, the audience is doing who knows what. That's very true. <laughs> so it's up to you. I mean, that's, well, this is a legitimate question. Uh, here's a real question, everybody. Uh, how much of it, you can't even say how much of it one's being like has to be improvised in the moment based on like something that the 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 audience does or is there a way you guys heard the audience i mean sometimes it's more obvious than than others but um well at sleep no more and even at then she fell nothing is improvised you might tweak a scene so you don't hurt an audience member you might start a scene a little bit late so you can help an audience member into a safe part of the room because I mean people you know you're like I'm about to do a dance on this set and somebody's really interested in that set and you have to you know like go over there you can check it out in five minutes when we're done yeah um I saw some of that happen yeah yeah (laughs) And move or you die. Yeah. Totally. And but nothing is improvised and nothing is left to chance. Mm. Um 
for the safety of the performers and for the safety of the audience. Like you can't be like rolling the die the dice and going, ooh, maybe maybe we'll try this hat on today and just try the scene that way. I mean, emotionally, I yes, we all do that. Like, oh, well, I want to keep digging into it in this vein or this idea, and that's valid because that means that you are being present and you are working on your form as an artist. But you know, the the music doesn't change. Therefore, you have to hit your music cues, and the lighting doesn't change, so you have to hit your light cues. Um, and then when you do hit your music and your light cues, you're like, there's no need to improvise because when it happens, it just totally, totally, totally works. You know what I mean? Flow state. It flows, and then, you know, it, it for, for the dramatic effect... You know, it's like it's it's still theater and it's still dramatic in its own ways, but nothing is improvised. Let's let's talk one on ones because both of them have it. Mm-hmm. What is that? What's that like? Uh, but no, that I think that for for a lot of us, that's the most interesting part of it all because mm-hmm. it's the thing that breaks away from the traditional yeah. theatrical form there's, yeah. there's nothing else I mean if you could people do they pay for personalized experiences at yeah. this point they pay sometimes the nose for it yeah um, it, what's that from the performers point of view um, is is that something you relish dread all of the above it depends on the one-on-one and that is my personal opinion because I have some one-on-ones that I I could do 500 of them a night and they would be just as fun every single time around um some of them you're like you know what this really hurts my body this is a really awkward thing to be doing this hurts but you know we want to still do it and then some of them um yeah, but for the most part, they are just as ex- they are just as special for the performers as they are to the audience. Do you do you get a sense of the connection? Because I know that maybe this is a question I don't want to have answered, but I have to. It's my innate curiosity. Yeah. Um, when they really work, and when the illusion really works for me. I get the sense of connection between myself and definitely the character, maybe even the performer. Does that happen for you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean... Do you... Do you you've done so many. Yeah. <laughs> you've done so many. So by many. Defini- by definition. Um, for, for us, ours stand out. Right, like I can still remember. Uh, there's there's a one on one in 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 Then She Fell that's with uh, Tara uh, playing that Alice track that she plays uh, that I will probably remember to the day I die. It might there's there's even odds that it's one of the things I will be remembering on my deathbed. Yeah. Um, not hyperbole. Depends on if dementia sets in. Dementia's going to set in, so hyperbole. But that's beside the point. Um, 
Is there, are there ones that you remember? Yes. Okay. I have a handful. I can't share them of because then I'll yeah. be yeah. telling you choreography and right. text and well, that's like not okay. Patient doctor. But I'm, well, I'm not just like the ones that you remember doing, but like specific ones with like, I remember the time that I did this and it was this person. Yes. Okay. Yes. I have like kind of a handful of the, the ones that, this is going to sound so dramatic, but like changed my life in a way. And looking into, because like when was the last time you looked into a stranger's eyes and shared something really special and intimate? Probably never. Yeah. Yeah. Rarely. Exactly. We spent a lot of time, well, I spent a lot of time avoiding eye contact with other people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which makes it when it happens heightened and partly because it is heightened when it happens like this is catch 22 you know yeah. like there's a there's a way to kind of hold your posture i've done this in the past you know like it's like hold the posture in a certain way like play high status and make eye contact with everybody and you watch people like you know like da- dodge their eyes away you know like the old yeah. it's theater status games a's versus b's and b's look away a's like make eye contact with everybody so you play that you go and you play that game in the street and it can be really fun. It can be scary too. But yeah. then the default mode ones ones being, you know, B mode. But that when you can actually have that moment with someone. It's. I mean, I there there were so many magical ones, at at Sleep No More in particular. And I also think it was like my first real job after graduating school. So like that show in itself changed my life, from what I thought I was going to be doing with. A dance career and a dance degree and all that um and even at then she fell the way those are set up i mean zach tom and janine are <laughs> they're genius those are so special and i remember learning a character and like telling the woman that was teaching me i could do this scene for two hours. I don't need the rest of the show. I could just do this for two hours and call it a day because it is so um there's they're special, they're so special, and the amount of love and care that was put into them to develop them to make the audience feel like they're the only person in the universe for that three minutes is just so yeah oh yeah. there's like nothing nothing is better nothing is better than giving a one-on-one that's that's what it is it's like it time has a way of suspending its flow or appearing to suspend its flow when you're with certain people mm-hmm. and and being full and it doesn't and a minute is a lifetime and a lifetime is a minute um maybe that's not true for everybody it's definitely definitely in my own experience of the world i can think of certain people who you know i can spend six hours with and i go whoa that was that was six hours how did I know, that right? six hours right yeah and that's that is what the one-on-ones are like it's that that space outside of time yeah you know you, yeah. you hit on that yeah it's almost scary the idea that you can design that experience Right? That if someone's just open enough to it, you could like... It's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, it's funny. And like when the audience is truly touched by the one-on-one, 
generally the performer leaves the one-on-one being like oh shit that was really good oh my god yeah and like the performer like when i say it's like just as special for the performer i mean the audience has to give just as much as yeah whatever character is giving as well because that's where yeah they become your scene partner for that moment indeed I mean that's that was the thing about then she fell that I was very conscious of like I I I sleep in where I felt like I witnessed something at then she fell I I felt very much like I was a part of it I was like I was in those scenes even just without even being intellectual about it like the way I would talk about it I was like I was in a scene with so and so and we were doing this mm-hmm. and like it's like I couldn't talk about it any other way. It was instantly right back to yeah to the point where I'm like, oh, maybe I should be taking acting classes again, right? Like clearly <laughs> that's what I miss. It'd be this whole thing would be a lot cheaper on me if I just went back to acting classes. Um, no podcast fees, no nothing. You know, <laughs> it's just as much of a waste of money. Uh, <laughs> um, would would you run into people? This turns into like all the questions that like I was, I'm always intending. See, I've been saving up weird little questions to ask mm-hmm. you like these for the past couple of months now. Um, would you run into people uh, who had seen the show like out in the real world and they recognize you, right? Like the celebrity yes. problem. Not this. It's not celebrity problem. I wish. I wish I was making as much as a celebrity. Well, that's a different um, problem. <laughs> um, that's a tax problem. <laughs> but um, yeah people would come up I remember there was one night I was coming home from then she fell mm. and I was on the end train heading back to Queens where I was living at the time and like so tired it's like one o'clock in the morning the last thing you want to do is to talk to anybody and a random person comes up to me and goes you're the pregnant one you're the pregnant one and I was like not in that show anymore but yes I am okay cool and I was like I haven't been in that show for like three months so it it, people people do people do recognize you on occasion um would they I mean what would would they talk to you would they would they ask a what's it like question is that when you would get those or sometimes but most times it was the you're the Alice or they, they just like point and say your character's name and you're like, yeah, thumbs up, cool. I hear that's a, I, almost like that, that's like the stereotype in New York, I think, for like any performance. Like, hey, so-and-so, you know, like I'm going to shout the person's character's name. Like we don't, I think in LA we're too scared to do that. Like, you know, mm. we'll see someone in somewhere and like, mostly because I think everyone here secretly, whether they are in the industry or not, expects to be discovered. And so like the last thing you want to do is like, you're Rob Corddry at my comic book store. Yeah. You know, mm. it's like. You'll never work in this town now. Congratulations, you know? Like, so everyone's just like, oh, yeah, there's so-and-so. I also think, New, I mean, New York's scene is very, very different than L.A.'s scene. And just the little experiences that I've had in L.A., we'll get to that later. Well, no, let's, let's we'll crack get, there. Okay. That's, that's, a good, that's, good, um, that's, a good, that's a good transition. The, an example is I just saw Newphonia Must Fall by Kid Koala at Royce Hall. And... A, the audience was pretty full, which was so good to see because I saw a dance show. I saw Anna Teresa de Karesmacher there earlier in the autumn, and the audience wasn't full. Mm. And I was so heartbroken by the fact that this brilliant choreographer was presenting her work, and only half of the audience was witnessing. And I was like, this should be sold out. This work is really good. Um, but 
Kid Koala started his show with Bingo. And it was really amazing to see, A, how many people showed up to Royce Hall on, I think it was a Friday night, and B, how the game of Bingo put every single person in the audience on the same page and they were ready to like dive into the show once the first beat was dropped, basically. And then I also was noticing, and I'm, you know, I've only been here since October, a couple of months, it still feels like. I still view things like a New Yorker. So I go and I sit politely and quietly and everybody in LA, when the smallest thing would happen and they would rip roar into laughter and then you would hear them all go, oh, and they were watching it like a, a football game almost. And mm. I realized halfway through the show, I was like, wow, there is serious hunger for good live art out here. And that was the moment I had that that realization. And I think in New York, you know, if I'm not doing a, sh a show a night, basically, I usually see about three shows a week when I was in New York. And I don't think people, I don't think that's the norm out here in LA, or at least what I've met so far. I mean, you could go see three shows uh, of various kinds uh, a week in LA. Mm -hmm. uh, it would be it would it would be all over the place mm -hmm. in terms of, of the quality. Not that it wouldn't be all over the place in, in, in New York as well, but in terms of, I mean, we we know it. You know, like you know, New York is a theater town. Chicago is a theater town. LA is a film town. You know, we we accept yeah. that. That's part of our identity. It's something that you, know, my friends in the theater community, would like. They're probably like drilling holes in their head right now, but the way the theater community survived here has been producing a lot of you know, what we call intimate theater here, which is the 99 seat theater, and some of it, which is is really good. There's mm -hmm. there's some stuff that I'll go see and I'll be like, this is fantastic. And yeah. and the sad thing is, is that there is there's a, a wing of the theater here that feels like someone took their television script and staged it. Uh. And it doesn't... And, and the sad is, like, it's physically possible for you to go see three shows in a row and have them all feel like that, if, you know, if you're seeing scripted theater. Uh, and if those are your first three experiences, barring, like, people's one-person shows, not counting stand-up, um, you will come away thinking, like, oh, that's not what theater is in L.A., and my God, that's terrible, because it's... It's uh, it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, there's there's no way around it. You can't stage a piece of theater uh, as if it was television. They they, they don't they don't match. Yeah. Just the way it's cut doesn't match. Um, totally. The physical things that happen, which is one of the things that is so exciting to me about the the site specific forms, is that by definition you're not going to be doing that. There's as we say, there's no proscenium for to to. There's no frame to stick the action in. And when there's no frame to stick the action in, all bets are off. And people want to be a lot more present. Totally. And the flip side of that is the acting you do see in those, I feel, tends to be a little more cinematic. You know, it's the art of the close-up. Totally. I was going to say, I took a handful of acting for the camera workshops in New York 
I was like the only dancer there, the only one that isn't there necessarily to get a job on TV. I was just, I need to learn how to talk to somebody like this in an intimate way and to see it on film going, oh, that's what I look up, look like that close. Yeah. That's what this person that's experiencing these one-on-ones experience and see. And that's what that is. And I had no idea. Had no idea. I am so happy to hear that you sought out that kind of training for doing the one-on-ones. Because when I talk about it theoretically with people and I try and explain to folks who haven't seen it, it's like, I say that, you take like film acting and you put it in the theater because you're working up that close. And to know that that's actually how you guys are approaching it. No, that's how I did it. I don't know if everybody, I don't think, I think a couple people have gone to take a little camera for acting workshops. And these are dancers. I mean, all of the actors that they've hired are all also working successfully in TV and film. And they're just like, yay, fun show on the side. Um, But as a dancer, I don't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. I'm a classical trained dancer. Give me some Cunningham. I can do that. Give me some rep by Brian Brooks. I can nail that too. But ask me to talk to somebody close. I'm like, I have no idea what my face does. No clue. <laughs> no clue. And so, and I mean, that was one thing um, Felix and Maxine and Connor and everybody at Sleep No More, you know, would always continue to like come back to is it, you know, it's close and it's cinematic and you actually if you're if you're if you're feeling it you're most likely just doing it which is yeah acting for the camera yeah which i mean it it, it forever it's always boggled my mind that and and i get the need to project out believe you me i've i've done theater in in, in big houses where you gotta hit the back row. But it always amazed me that that some people just like, their bodies are like all over the place. Their faces are going like super wide. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll do that naturally talking to people, but knowing that on the camera it reads huge. Huge, yeah. You know, the sense of scale. Um, I don't know. Says, says the guy who hasn't acted in like seven years, so like whatever, <laughs> like shut up, Nelson. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, Stay in LA, staying staying here, uh, staying in in the the spect- spectacle mode, spectator mode, spectacle mode. <laughs> Clearly, I need dinner. Um, what what um, what do you look for? Like you've performed this stuff. When when you're an audience member for something that's immersive, what do you have you gotten to see? I mean, you've done you've been in the two big ones, you know. Have you have you gotten to see a lot of other stuff? I have seen, well, when it was still open, I've seen Queen of the Night. I've seen Sleep No More a zillion times. I've seen Then She Fell, I think a solid three times. Um, And I've seen The Bad Years. I can't remember who did it, but my old roommate, Catherine, was in it. And it was an immersive musical done in like a little loft style apartment in Bushwick, which was actually like not, I was very pleasantly surprised by it actually. Um, And what else? I've seen Heidi Duckler's work here in LA. And what else have I seen? I've seen Danielle Agami's work. She did Moves After Dark this past summer and she did 
I don't know if you would call it site specific, but to me it was immersive because it was very, it was, and I'm going to tell you why I think I, I, I categorized it as immersive. If I don't remember where I am and why I am there, it is immersive. Hmm. So if I, like Danielle's piece took place in this like amazing, gorgeous room, I think in the Opera House downtown LA, and it was like just beautiful kind of Victorian looking furniture and like the mahogany and the dark carpet and the chandeliers, like you, you walked in there and you're like, oh my goodness, I should be wearing a string of pearls right now. And um, she had her dancers set up and like it was, it was incredible. And I felt like I, my eyes were being opened and I was witnessing something nobody else uh, um, I felt like I was a fly on the wall watching these creatures mm. inhabit this space which is a little bit different than site specific which is look at these dancers dancing on this architecture right you know or well, look that, at that's these... what a lot of site specific dance will end up being that's, which, yeah. which kind of drives me it's like, yes, you're dancing on architecture. That's great. Are you, are you creating something that could own? Because like anyone can dance on architecture anywhere. It's like Coyote Ugly. Anyone can dance on a on a bar. But like, is something happening that's actually in that space that that could only happen, happen in there? that space? And that's yeah. what Danielle's piece did. Mm. You wa- you witnessed it, and you're like, this cannot live anywhere else because it is just too perfect yeah. for this space. Yeah. Um, who else? She was also choreographed hopscotch. So she's oh, she's incredible. She's yeah, yeah. She is good. She's really good. Hopscotch, hopscotch. I, you know, it's funny. Like I don't talk about it on the show all that often. Um, partly because it feels like a bit of a dream. Partly because maybe it's because I haven't had Yuval on yet, and I need to do that at some point if I can pin him down. Um, yeah, it. This so much of that was just. Just, just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like you want to talk cinematic? Uh, yeah, right. Like that thing was. I mean, just it defies. It defies explanation. You know, it, for me, it hit that bell of if you come out of the experience and it sounds like you're doing a bad job of trying to explain, explain the it. dream you had last night. Congratulations, you were at a good immersive. That's totally what it is. That's totally what it is, and that's the other thing. Like. When somebody's like, oh, what what show are you in? And you're like, oh, I'm in Then She Fell. I'm like, what is that? And then you go, do you have 20 minutes so yeah. I can try to explain to you what it is that I do? And like, so it's a hospital. No, it's not really, <laughs> but it's kind of. But I didn't know that there was a hospital in Brooklyn in that area. But it's not. Oh. So it's. um. <laughs> it's like, because you, you, can, you can tell the people the layers, but like it, it's. It's, um, you have to be there to yeah. understand it. It's exactly like you you yeah. pinned it right on the head. You have to you have to witness it. Yeah. To understand what it is. And it, that's the moment where you're like, "You know what? It's immersive theater." It's it's kind of like I'm um, transition here. It's kind of like Lazar receiving this thing. Uh, our, our other shared obsession, which is VR. <laughs> um, which the first time we ever had a conversation, we we nerded out about VR, which I was like very very glad to do with with someone else, yeah. um, just in general. 
uh, but definitely someone who's like in as deep into immersive. Um, it's the same thing. You you can't really if you haven't done it yet, you don't know. You can't explain it. it. It's yeah. It's like it's like you can kind of explain. You can tell someone who who hasn't been to Disneyland or hasn't been to Vegas. You can say, well, there's a lot of lights and there's these things, there's these shows, and like it can give you details. But it's a full, it's a holistic experience, and until you've done it, you're just not able to grasp it grasp it at all totally um but that is that is a bit of a pivot uh you you you, we've nerded out about vr in the past so like what's the what's the attraction there because that's something that we're going to be talking about i think on the show a little bit more because everyone knows my predilections on it but Uh what about you what about yours what attracts you to that um my first vr experience was in may May, I think. So I'm super, super new. And I went to um, New York had, I think it was called Sensory Stories at the Museum of the Moving Image. Yep, yep. And they had some of the Oculus experiences. And they had this one video that took you through a refugee camp. And that was the moment where I was like, Oh, it, yeah, it was one of those, like, aha, light bulb, holy shit, this is it kind of moment. Technology, not not the yeah. refugee camp. Um, the technology and being there. And and then, of course, you know, they had a little... Um, I'm acquainted with somebody that works with Future of Storytelling, who is the one that kind of curated the... Yelena. Yeah, yeah, and Jacob yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah and that curated the exhibition um so of course I go and I'm like I have all my questions answer them tell me all about it but what was really cool was with just putting on this like little headpiece and these earpieces you have immersive experience you're transported it's super it's just like nothing I've seen before and or have experienced before because from from there I come from the spot where if you want to have an immersive experience you better put your running shoes on because we're going to get immersive and you're going to be you have to work for it whereas this you just have to sit your butt down put on a headpiece and you're like you're you're transported in your own seat um what's funny is like the way that the way that immersive thing is going now more and more the emphasis is on trying to make you run around like there's the room scale stuff and yeah people are building up things because once you start when you do start physically moving around that changes it you know you like it, it getting your body into it it's like the more your body gets into that experience like the more it's almost like the less work the people on the other side creating it have to do because you start to fill in the gaps what's well, also when you're moving around the more you move the more you discover, yeah. the greater your experience. I mean, when my dad came to see Sleep No More for the first time, I came out after the show, and he was like just sitting at the table in Mandalay, like, oh, and I go, what did you see? He goes, well, I started here, and I followed this character, then I went here, and I followed that character, and I went here, and I did this, and I went there, and I did that, and I, did, and I was like, how did you see that all in three hours? And he goes, I just started running. 
<laughs> and he literally like was sprinting for I think three hours. I mean, he had a really, really great show. He saw a lot, but yeah. um, there's something about the childlike discovery mm. of moving around a space. Yeah, you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. There's something very. Um, yeah, it, it it makes you, it brings in the excitement to discover and be curious. I like until like you know the first time you're at Disneyland or first time you're like in a casino in Vegas, or when they change something at Disneyland or where you're in a, a new national well not new but a new to you national park or you're in a new city, mm-hmm. and or for me even like I'm in a new mall and it's like what's around the corner. Totally. Oh, the mall, the mall's might... usually like, where's the Chipotle? You know, like, yeah. what am I going to find on the way to the Chipotle? Yeah, and so that, the the running around, the moving around, I think, is really satisfying. And it's also like, you know, when you enter somebody's home for the first time. Oh, yeah. And you're like, you really want to open the medicine cabinet? Oh, yeah. And you like what's in the bookshelves? Totally, and like, is there a cat pan in this bathroom? Totally, totally, yeah. totally, and it's also that um, that as well. Like, it get, this immersive theater gives you permission to be the Snoopy person that you hide from your friends. You know, like, <laughs> that everybody hides. That from every single everybody hides from everyone. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's the thing that that, that all of this is doing. But the immersive theater and and the the VR, it's we know you want to look in everything. We know you do, so go ahead. Exactly, it, it gives you permission to do that. And with the VR, it gives you permission to do that. You know what I mean? You don't have to be looking at the conversation that's in front of you. You could be checking out whatever. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we've been at this for about fifty minutes, so. Okay. There's there's scheming to be done, so we're scheming. gonna we're gonna we're gonna uh, terminate the podcast part and continue our conversation. Um, it's it it can be weird uh, doing these with people you know because you just want to kind of keep going, uh, keep going. Well, you, you, <laughs> three you, hours later, <laughs> well, you, 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 well, there's that, but there's also like you know you make it more like just like the normal back and forth. But I want everyone I want everyone yeah. to get a chance to like you know hear your side of the story. Can I say one last thing oh, yeah, about immersive theater? Please. So when That's I the whole fir- point. yeah, so when I first started working with Sleep No More, I was there within the first. I started in October two thousand and eleven. I think it opened April two thousand and eleven. So I was there pretty early on, and I would often run into audience members going. That was a really cool play, but how come there was no dialogue? And and at that point in time, I still hadn't given over to the fact that I was transforming into a dancer that can acts mm. that that can act. And so I'd be like, "Well, it's not it's not a play. It, it's a dance piece. It's dance and it's contemporary dance and it's good that you came." And then I realized that immersive theater, and like then she fell as well, and I'm sure, I haven't seen Grand Paradise yet, and I can't wait to see it, but I'm also sure Grand Paradise, people go thinking that they're going to go see theater, and they're tricked into seeing experimental dance. And that, to me, was the greatest thing ever. And all of a sudden, 
You have all of these people that love dance, that wouldn't think twice of spending money on a ticket to see dance. I mean, yes, there's a lot of acting involved, but I mean, the things that are done in those spaces, you, you have to have a solid dance background to do a lot of those characters Mm -hmm. and um that's one of the coolest things is people are almost tricked into experiencing contemporary dance which they probably would never think of spending money on otherwise right so that's that was one of the first hooks for me after getting the job and realizing the impact immersive theater could have on like the performing arts as a whole well, and, and what's what's really great there is like there's things that people get exposed to that they have no idea existed or the idea of the human body as the special effect. And I, I, I told people about this for when I went to sleep no more. There were things, I've said this straight up, there were things that if it was done on a proscenium stage, I would have actually found kind of boring. Because like I, I you know, my, my mom was uh, taught dance when I was a kid. I've spent a lot of time seeing dance like just my entire life. Uh, seen a lot of modern, seen ballet, seen, you know, I mean, one of the most riveting things I ever saw on a proscenium stage was uh, the Oakland Ballet recreated uh, Nijinsky's Bolero. Mm. Like, took the notes and recreated that. And that was just like, oh my God. Like, the way the ballet roost did things, oh, give mm-hmm. me the vapors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a straight guy and I'm saying that. So, like, no stereotypes here. Like, that is a m- fucking amazing. Um, just and, and I can with laser clarity I can remember that piece just like the way they were picking up the knives and jamming them into the table before she danced the tarantella around the knives just like electric yeah. right um, there there were, there were things in Sleeping More that if it had been on a, a proscenium stage I was like hey, that was interesting it was an interesting concept but when you're up close because the thing you never are you know the thing you never are in dance uh, outside of these contexts is two feet away three yeah. feet away yeah. you're not seeing the muscles strain we don't do close-ups of dancers uh on on film except in like music videos and then usually it's like watch that booty shake you know but this is like <laughs> this is like almost like having slow motion olympic cameras going like your brain becomes your camera at the olympics of motion and I won't give away certain bits of choreography. There were just things like, you know, like I said, like if this had been on a proscenium stage, I was like, oh, that's a really interesting idea. But when you're up so close, you're like, dear God, yeah, the strain they're putting themselves through. Yeah. You know, just it sells how intense this work is by being up close. Yeah. It reveals a truth that the stage conceals. It totally, totally. I, I agree. But that was the big, that was a big moment for me, like defending dance to an audience member being like, actually, I actually also act, but you're with, you paid for a dance ticket. Ha ha, tricked you. (laughs) Yeah. Suckers. Totally. So guess what all you immersive theater kids, you've become dance kids. That was the game all along. (laughs) All right. On that note, uh, we'll do this again sometime. Awesome. Thank you, Noah. Thank you. All right, that's the big show this week. Once again, want to thank Haley Nichelle for letting us record this at her place a little while back here. Uh, hey, how do you find us? Uh, that's the most important thing. And then I'm going to get off the horn here because I've tried to do this five times and have failed every time until now. 
You can find us on Twitter at No Persinium. You can find the essays and the reviews at medium, medium.com slash no dash persinium. You can find links to everything we do in the form of little pictographic widgets at nopersinium.com. That includes the signups for the newsletters, which are all free. It includes the RSS for this thing here. Everything. Everything's up on there. Uh, links into the medium, the whole nine yards, nopersinium.com. We've got the Chicago newsletter is getting spun up soon. We just started the West Coast edition, which you can still sign up for, although I think you'll probably miss this week's. That comes out once a month. Chicago's coming out once a month. We're looking at expansions past that. Things are bubbling up even as I speak. Hey, there are more and more of you listening to this podcast, and I am incredibly humbled by that. We are going to take a hard look at what we are saying we're going to be looking to do over at the Patreon. But before we get that done, think about think about going over to the Patreon and just, just tossing a dollar at us. Just a dollar a month. We don't charge by the podcast. We charge by the month on the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash no proscenium. And you guys help us pay for the hosting of all of the podcast because that is sadly not free. Uh, helps us with uh, keeping the website up and alive. Again, not free. Uh, and hopefully, I, I need to look at what the financial goals are, but uh, there's, there's some things we can do. And here's the most important thing of all. Um, it's the email address. No underscore proscenium at Outlook. Dot com. That's where I want to hear what you think of the show. That's where I want to hear your hints and tips. You know, you find shows out there and gallery expositions and weird virtual reality experiments that I do not hear about uh, because I don't have eyes everywhere. I am not Rachel Ghoul as much as I try to be. Uh, it just doesn't happen that way. Uh, so I don't have those sort of resources, but you can tell me, so, yeah, you know what I've been watching. Uh, you guys tell me, you guys, you guys are my League of Assassins. You're my eyes and ears. You're my little birdies uh, to my spider. Uh, let me know what's going on out there in the world, uh, particularly if you want other people to know about it, because that's what I'm useful for. I have a big mouth and I will just shoot it off wherever immersive theater and weird experiences need to be discovered. I also want to know from all of you, you know, I keep threatening to do this. I'm, I'm more and more. I want to start leaning into some of the the digital immersive space, because there is so much that space can learn from the physical immersive, that I think it's time we just start talking about both together, because uh, that's the kind of nerds we are. If you have strong feelings on that, one way or another, let me know. If you're like all meh about it, let me know too. I, I, I want to know what you guys think. I really honestly do. Probably not listening to this. For those of you who are listening to this, please let me know what you think. No underscore proscenium at outlook.com or just at no proscenium or at Noah J. Nelson on Twitter. The easiest public ways to find us. That's it. That's enough me. Um, we're going to be back next week with another episode. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet because we haven't recorded it yet. It's simple as that. But we are going to be back. I am certain of it. Until then, I will see you at the show.